Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Mark and I spend time together every week. Um, he, I, I would say there's a handful of people I spend a lot of time with every week, and Mark is one of them. Okay, Mark and Peter and Malvina. We do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Um, our group is called Insight Now. Uh, we've been doing this. Insight Now has been around for seven years. Seven years that we've been doing this. And um, we're on like episode 135, 136. But we just talk about what is God saying today? What's the revelation that he's bringing? What are we walking into? What's God saying in the church and in the, in the you know, whatever we're dealing with? And, and, you know, we all carry some very specific different gifts. And so it's really just an amazing conversation. And, um, and you know, um, Mark and Malvina, I found out this weekend that we have the same personality types. Which makes it really fun to play a game of cards. Okay, let me just say it's <laughs> we all shake in there. So I I want to uh, I believe that Mark has actually one of the most transformational words that you're going to hear in this season today. So prepare your hearts. And let's give him a hearty Harvest Valley welcome to Mark Crawford. <laughs> woo woo woo. morning. It's, uh, oh, um, I, 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 you make it difficult for me. Malvina made it difficult for me last night. Um, do not... <laughs> Malvina, we need to do some deliverance. Um, <laughs> um, so let me finish what I was going to say. Made it difficult for me because there's so many things that have been released that I want to share and, and talk about. So I was just trying to figure out uh, what is God saying. He's taken my message that I had and re-messaged it. Uh, let me just say a couple of things. Um, <clears throat> in my almost, um, uh, I, I'm three and a half weeks into the into my visit here into the U.S. and uh, I had the best sleep last night that I have had the whole trip. Oh, that's what worship, that's what worship will do, that sort of worship, that breakthrough worship. Um, uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm really looking forward to um, my cardiac surgeon doing some tests because I feel like something's taken, something's happened out of that healing last night, Right? Well, it ain't finished yet. Because um, last night, I was receiving healing for myself, and I was thinking of the people that also need healing. And so we were in this environment of healing last night, um, and, and, and it, was, it, was, um, it, it was different than I'd been in any other places. It wasn't, you know, it was like something was taking place. And uh, we have a mutual friend, um, in California, um, who had, had, had let us know um, uh, that 
her liver was really impacted by cancer and all of those sorts of things. And it was looking pretty dire. So I'm sitting here in the worship this morning and I get a message. It says this, my doctor emailed me last night and there is no cancer. <laughs> Praise God. Like, <laughs> it's like, God, that's a setup. <laughs> and she was just one of the people I was thinking about. Now, the previously, I could tell you a previous message, I'd go through it, and she was detailing what they had seen, what the scans had picked up, and all of those sorts of things. And how, and we were just like, oh, this is really bad. Like, God, you've got to do something. And I'm sitting here this morning, and it's in the midst of. Um, Chris telling you about all the sorts of things that happened last night. So one of the things that we should remind ourselves is that one of the names of the Holy Spirit is the Comforter, right? He's the Comforter. Oh, yeah, that's great. Listen, you don't need comforting if you're not uncomfortable. You don't need the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, when you are comfortable. So it goes to stand that God is going to take you into uncomfortable things. So, But if you only live for comfort, if you only live and then you, you don't hang around when it gets uncomfortable or you don't do things that are uncomfortable, then you don't need the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to make you uncomfortable. One thing that we that um, was being reminded, uh, the Lord was reminding me of this morning, is that for me to get here, right, for me to get to Sandpoint from where I live is like 24 hours of traveling, right? Now, I'm so over it. It's uncomfortable. It's all the sorts of things that I just really don't like. Delays, sitting in airport places, all of that sorts of stuff. It's, it's expensive and it's uncomfortable. That's the destination. What, why do I do it? The reason that I do it is because of the destination. Where are I going to get to? Who I'm going to be with. And, and, and like, you, you can look at me like a deer in the headlights, but the reality is I wasn't able to do it for three and a half years. My first year, I went out of withdrawal. It was terrible. It was, it was just like wherever else. But I was hanging out to be in the U.S., and so I endured the travel. I mean... You guys have done it more often than me, but I've driven from a barge to here. Like if I tried to do that in home, I'd be in Antarctica. I didn't know you could try drive in a car for 12 hours. No, listen to him all the whole time.
<laughs> so, so this is the deal. We judge, we judge the, um, the, the, the journey. We, we become uncomfortable in the journey when we're supposed to actually enjoy that. Oh, here we go. <clears throat> I was at a conference, um, 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 and it was a conference that I knew that I needed to be at. It, it was a conference that was uh, turned out to be a very significant conference. didn't know it was. And um, the... The guy who was speaking was bringing revelation. He was walk, walking in a, a degree of revelation I'd never seen. Um, <clears throat> and he got to a particular point where he, t- he, he was talking about sonship. And I, I want to talk about sons, sonship today. And he, so he's talking about it, and he wants to deal with the orphan spirit. And so he starts talking about things about us Australians, because he's, tex- he's from Texas, he's American, Okay. And so he starts saying these, these things, and he's going to pray, and he's going to do this prayer um, over us in relation to an orphan spirit. And I, I'm, I'm getting pretty offended by what he's saying. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just getting offended. And um, I, I suddenly, I, I've done this enough times, so I've got offended enough times, um, to, to realize that offense is usually a doorway to destiny. Right? So if you're wise, if you get offended by somebody or something or something I say today, you're going to recognize, wait a minute, this is the enemy trying to stop me from being able to go here. This is the enemy trying to divert me away from this because this must be important. This must be significant. This must be breakthrough time. This must be, this person must be in my life, right? So I recognized that really quickly, and I'm actually amazed that I recognized it that quickly, but it's probably because of all the training I've been in, because <laughs> I can give, anyway. Um, <laughs> so I, I decided no, and I started to fight with it by agreeing with him. It's like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'll go after this. Yes. And he, so he's praying this prayer, and everything inside of me is saying, no. You know what the Americans are like, you know, and it's like. And I could list all of the things that I'm going to in a minute, but anyway. <laughs> and so, and, and, but I'm having to choose. I have to say, yes, I agree. I'm taking hold of that. Yes. And, and. And I did. And I'm fighting because I'm operating in the opposite of what I feel like. Right? So it's, it's, you, it's spiritual warfare. It's, it's not yelling at the devil. He's not deaf. He's not quoting a scripture to him. Listen, he, at Lucifer was with the word. He knows the word. He, he uses it and he uses it against us. And it's important. All of that's important. I'm not putting that aside. What I'm saying is operating in the opposite of what you feel like is spiritual warfare. So if you have, let me be practical. If you have people saying, come on down the front, and you say, no, I'm not. I'm staying here. Well, you can actually 
operate in the opposite spirit of what you feel like doing and come down here. You say, well, you know, they're trying to manipulate. Forget all of that. That's all that's going on, right? It's a freedom to be able to do um, all of that. So I, uh, and what happened in that moment is that some orphanness broke off me and I didn't recognize it until a few days, weeks later. I'm on some calls with some good friends of mine and, and, and he's saying to me, what's happened to you? Not just the revelation. What's different? There's something different about you. And actually it was him that actually helped me to understand what had happened in that moment because some things that had created wounds or within me had been dealt with, had been healed. Now, you have to understand that, that the kingdom is multidimensional. So you can have a dimension of healing, dimension of victory over something, and then there's another dimension. It's not the same thing. Um, there's, there's, a become, there's a favorite scripture of mine um, that I, I will make mention of it t- today. Um, it comes out of Romans 8. Um, I, I don't know if you... Anyway, uh, Romans 8 is, as I've reminded you, and as, um, it's an important passage for, for now. And Romans 8 says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. The earnest expectation is anticipation. There's an anticipation in creation. And um, I haven't got, we can't do it to, today, but creation um, is, is, a, is about the elements of creation. Kevin made mention of it in the, in the, in the communion time. The elements of earth, wind, fire, and water, 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 whatever. <coughs> Those elements are what's what are, is excited about, anticipates sons being sons. Now you've had a lot of teaching about the fact is that we are sons of God, right? And I, I'll say this again, women, you, you you understand I'm talking about a gender, right? The rest of the world is. I'm not. Right? I'm talking about a position. I'm talking about a position in God. I'm talking about being sons of God, children of God, sons and daughters of God. And, I, and I'm just going to say sons, but I mean sons and daughters, right? Position. <clears throat> and so I want to talk about uh, not us trying to convince you that we are that. I'm, try, I'm going to help you to understand what we are to be, how we are to function as sons. Right? All right. Um, if you want to go with me um, in Luke 15, uh, let me just pray. And, and when I pray this, do you think that you could uh, not just 
hear me praying it for us. They'd actually partner with it, right? Like, like you, yeah, like yeah, agreement or something like that. Okay, let's pray. Father, uh, I, I want to thank you that right now that you're going to help us with the spirit of revelation. That you, Holy Spirit, are going to reveal even more than I say. Uh, Father, there will not be a stop sign. There will not be a one of those stop cards that stop play. Father God, there will not be that. What there will be is a go. What there will be is a go. What there will be is acceleration. What there will be, Father, is revelation that continues and keeps on keeping on. A revelation that you're going to help us to see, understand, and be able to take hold of in the name of Jesus. So, Father, we thank you. We exclude every other sort of thing that would try and stop what you wanting to uh, bring to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, this is, the, this is the, the story of the parable of the prodigal son. Um, and it's Luke 15, it's starting at verse um, 11. Certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them uh, to his um, uh, livelihood, which is really an interesting thing, isn't it? Because the younger son is saying to the dad, I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance, because inheritance comes not when, some, when somebody dies, right? So he divided them to his livelihood, and not many days after, the youngest son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, wasted his positions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, then arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him to the fields to feed swine. So the, the, the son, right, the younger son, said to his dad, I want my portion of my inheritance now. I'm not going to wait. I want it now. And then he went and lived a life where he is exhausting the independence of his life, the independent spirit. He's exhausting it. He's, he's doing everything he wants that's for him. Forget everybody else. Him. Him. What I want. What I want. Everything about him. He's exhausting it and he, until he comes to a place that there's nothing of independence left. Not just his money, though that's the, the, the major part of it, but he's lost. And so he comes into a place where he is feeding the swine and he's so hungry that he's going to eat what the pigs are eating. That's what he wants to do. So he's exhausting all of that. He's, he's, he's going through all of that. Um, so, and so one of the major things of an orphan spirit is independence. Self-reliance. Right? Now, just to re- let me to remind you that you have been... Uh, you have been saved through grace, right? God has lavished grace on you. Hello? You are grace, being graced, and you are grace givers, right? 
So use that grace towards me. So independence is an issue. But independent people don't like to hear it. Now, you know I'm an Aussie. I live under a different governance than you do. Right? So I will see things differently than you do. Right? I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just different. So, you know, this weekend, King Charles III was coronated. Right? Yesterday. He was appointed after his mother died, the Queen. You take my passport, my passport uh, will, will, will declare in the front of it that Queen Elizabeth II asks any nation, any person to give me free access, right, to protect me, all of those sorts of things. The new passports, when they get done, will say King Charles III, right? So I live in a kingdom, I live under a king in the natural, Right? So I see things differently. And so therefore, when I talk of governance, I'm talking apostolically, but I'm also talking from a different place. So therefore, I see things differently. Have I said that enough? And so... What you live under is how you see things. So, um, what I notice is that there is very much um, a distrust of governance um, generally in the U.S. Right? You don't trust the government. Uh, you have conspiracy things that go on. Right? Um, and uh, there's good reason for it. I, I'm not saying there's not good reason for it. Right? But just be careful that you don't take that and judge God's governance. Because it's really easy. You don't realize you're doing it. You see, the, some of the greatest changes in me happened by coming to this country. See, I live in a dishonoring culture. It comes out of our convict heritage and all those sorts of things. So our humor is, you know, is just, you know, we, I, I see posts all the time where Americans can't handle our humor because it's dishonoring. It's about pulling down somebody. Some of our uh, um, people like Bill Johnson and a, a number of other, Chris Vallotton, those guys have spent a lot of time coming into Australia dealing with that spirit that's in the, in the nation, and I think it's changed quite a lot. In fact, actually, this is a fun fact, is some of the things that come out of America, like, for instance, reality shows like The Voice and um, um, Australia's, got, Australia's, Australia's Idol, Australia's Got Talent, all of those sorts of things, which come out of this here, have really impacted us and changed that dishonored thing because what it's caused Australians to start to actually... I celebrate people's people. 
you know, cooking shows and all of those sorts of things. So it's done. It's, whilst you look at it and think, oh, we don't like those reality shows, we, I, we love them because of what it's doing to our culture in a good way. Right? So if you celebrate independence, you might just have an issue. Be careful. Be careful that you're not worshipping it and creating it as an idol rather than to live in the fact of it. It went down like a lead balloon. <laughs> yeah. Just be careful that you don't worship the concept of independence, but celebrate what it does. All right? I, I, I am not having to go out 4th of July or whatever. It's like when I first came to America, I had someone come to me and say, do you have 4th of July in Australia? It's like, what? No, we go 3rd and then we go 5th. We don't have four. I was in a plane and I was looking, I was reading down 11, 12, 14. Where's 13? <coughs> anyway. So, so, what's happening with this younger son is about independence. He's, he's exhausting this independence and he's coming to a particular place where he's out of humility comes and then, of course, he comes back to the father. And he, and he says, look, I'm not even worthy to be... And the father says, forget that rubbish. And wraps his arms around and says, you're a son, you always have been a son, you will be a son, and I'm going to celebrate you as a son. But, but who gets their... I was going to say their undies in a twist, but <laughs> but who 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 gets offended? The older brother gets offended, and he uses terms like that son of yours. It's like everybody else is saying your brother, which is a whole jealousy thing. You know, it's it's this this whole this whole challenge to sonship, right? And and much of the church, sorry, a lot of people in the church have a problem with sonship. And the reason they have a problem with sonship is because they're comfortable being an orphan, because they're celebrating things of the orphanness, right? They hold that dear because that's all they've known, and they don't want to lose an identity. And every single thing in the kingdom is about identity. I have people on calls all the time looking at issues, and I, and I think, oh, here we go again. It's about identity. And, and some people hear me so often, they think, oh, Mark, you're just talking about identity. You know what you're talking about. <laughs> I do know what I'm talking about. It has every single thing to do about identity. Every single thing to do with identity. And I'm going to talk to you um, um, further. Yes, 
I'm going to go there right now. I, I said all of that to get to here. Why does my iPad not behave? It's got an independent spirit. That's exactly right. Come out in Jesus' name. All right. If you, I'm telling you, if you can somehow catch what I'm saying today, if you can receive it in the spirit, um, this is life-changing. It's not just—it's not just because I'm saying it, um, because it's changed my life. Right? Wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. Right? You can know something, but unless you apply it correctly, James says it like this: You can be hearers of the word. I think we've become quite good at hearing the word. But he said there's a disconnect if you don't actually then apply it or do it. And so we have people all around the place who are really good at preaching, teaching. You can flip the channels. You can hear this. You can hear this. You can hear this. You can hear this. You can tell everybody about what you've heard. You see, what happened for me is I heard it out of a place of offense. I took hold of it. I applied it. I lived. I was living out of it, but it was somebody else who recognized it. They saw the fruit. Jesus said, you'll see the fruit. If you have to tell somebody or something, you're probably not. It's good, Mark. It's really good. That's just wonderful. That's really so. So a major, I, I'm telling you that um, a major foundational concept is identity, and it's what you do out of it. Okay, let me take you back to the beginning. Let me take you back to Genesis, and Genesis chapter 1, and uh, uh, verse 26, it says this, And then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. You've got a dominion over the creeps. (laughs) <laughs> God, yeah, thank you, Lord. Yeah, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them, and God said to them, don't spill the water. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. He didn't give them dominion over another person. And you have a whole section of the church teaching about dominion over other people. Anyway, that's another thing. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. I've read that 
thousands of times, I would probably think, preached it time after time after time after time. But what does subdue mean? Well, this is what subdue means. To conquer, to bring into subjection, to overpower by superior force, overcome, to repress. Right? It's, a, it's an action term. It's a term that says, this must be conquered. This must be overcome. This must be subdued. This must bring into a place where it is overpowered, overcome. So this is what Adam's told. Adam says, your responsibility is to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and then overcome it, conquer it, conquer the earth. What, the flowers? The vegetables? The fruit trees? What we, what we seem to don't understand is that the cosmos, right, the heavens, are in conflict. You see, Lucifer had been an archangel. And Lucifer uh, ha, ha, creates some problems in heaven. Right? Significant problems that he and a third of the angels have been cast out of heaven. So it was obviously a coup attempt. Right? Um, you, can, uh, you can read about it. Well, actually, I'll read it to you. From Isaiah, or I think you say Isaiah or something like that. I, I can't figure it out. I, I go to Starbucks and tell them my name is Mark, and they say M-I-K-E. I go home, and they can't understand me because I've tried to speak American. Anyway, Isaiah 14 says this about Lucifer. You have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you have cut down to the ground, you have weakened the nations. You have said in your heart, you have said in your heart these, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. You shall be brought down to the Seol, to the lower steps of the pit, and those who see you, those who will gaze upon you, those who will look at you will say, and will consider and saying, excuse me, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the worlds as wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners? So what it's saying, what it's saying is, you purposed in your heart to overthrow heaven. You wanted to be like God. You wanted to replace. There was something that took place, and, and he was such a traitor in iniquities. Right? So he'd actually pushed that further than he should have gone and obviously created something in heaven. Now, what's really interesting is one of the reasons that the enemy hates you us so much is because everything he wanted that got him kicked out of heaven, we got. Right, seated in heavenly places. Right, we are made in the image of God. Authority, all of those sorts of things. 
So there's this huge problem in the heavens because of his behavior. And so God creates man in his image, and the word there in his image is as an idol. We are created as an, as an idol, not to be worshipped, but to reflect God. Right? So we are created in his image, and Adam was placed on the planet. Now, the enemy comes to him and has a discussion and convinces them to partake of his conflict, his sin. Right? He tempts them. He encourages them. He uses lies to do it. And he gives, they then partake of that and they disobey God. Right? Now, the plan of God is that Adam was God's answer to a heavenly conflict. Was, is, and still is the answer. Adam is not the problem. Now, did he do something? I'm not saying he didn't disobey. I'm not saying that he it was, you know, didn't create some issues by what he did, but he's still not the problem. And therefore, you and I are not the problem. We are God's answer to a problem created by Lucifer, therefore then Satan. You, me, all mankind are meant to be solutions. We are not the problem. Now, much of the church comes back to Adam and says, well, it's Adam. Adam's the problem, right? I mean, I had this Aboriginal pastor in Australia tell me, said, hey, you guys, you got it all wrong. So, you know, if, if, uh, if Adam had been an uh, Australian Aborigine, he would have uh, thrown away that apple and eaten the snake. Probably we wouldn't have any sort of a problem then. But you see, fundamentally, much within the church, much in the church culture focuses upon Adam's the problem, so therefore I'm a part of the problem. So they use terms like, I'm just a sinner. Saved by grace. Can you choose one or the other? Right, so we use, we use things like, for instance, what we would call reductionist gospel. They reduce the gospel instead of uh, uh, heading into the gospel, into the Word of God. So therefore, when we talk about the uh, Romans 8.19, that the Creation is looking for us to, to give leadership into the elements. We think that that's an impossibility. I mean, why could we do that? Well, that's what sons who understand, they're the answer. You see, the prodigal son, when he came back and had such a transformation, he understood that he was with his father to be an answer. 
The oldest son saw it as a problem. You see, a son is always the answer. You see, a son is always the answer. Adam was an answer. If you look at a little bit further on in Genesis, you'll see that God said to him, listen, I want you to tend and keep the gardens. Now, if you think about that, you think, oh, well, he's got to get the lawnmower out and mow the lawn and he's got to pull out all the weeds and all of those sorts of things. There weren't any. It was perfect. There was no weeds. So what was he to tend and keep? <laughs> well, actually, you have to examine the terms. The terms actually mean a Levitical priesthood. He was the first high priest, and he was a king. So Adam was, a, was put on the planet because God was aware that there was a cosmic issue. There was a problem. Lucifer had created the problem. So his answer was a son. His answer was Adam. And Adam was established by God as the beginning of the Levitical priesthood. He was to operate as a priest and as a king, which what we see with Jesus, Jesus came and rectified all of that, restored it. But anything that is restored by God is better than it was in the beginning. The old covenant was good. The new covenant was far better. So, so God restored all of that and actually created something that was evidenced by Jesus who was 100% man and 100% God so that we became into a place where we became inhabitants of God. We became temples of the Holy Spirit. So that you can begin to understand that things like self-reliance and independence want to keep you away from interdependence, community, right? Want to keep us out of that um, curse word called submission. Well, that's what people have made it to be because they've only ever experienced restriction. And that it's there for protection. You are not the problem. You are the answer. You are not the problem. You're the answer. Why don't you turn to somebody and say, you're the answer. Turn to somebody else and say, you're the answer. So therefore, therefore it becomes a significant time when Jesus begins his ministry, right? And he comes to John the Baptist, right? Now, the last book of the Old Testament, in the last chapter, and the last few verses says this, and it's the, you know, coming out of this particular era. And in this era, it says, and behold, the spirit of Elijah shall come and will turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers. And we all say, yes, we're waiting for that. Well, an angel comes 
to Zechariah and says to his son, who's in his wife's womb, and says, on his life he shall be as the spirit of Elijah and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the son and the sons to the fathers. That's his destiny. Right? So you see Old Testament, here we go, over here. Now we know that John the Baptist says, I must decrease so that you increase to Jesus. It's not talking about worth. It's not talking about humility. It's talking about old covenant, new covenant. Right? So he is in a place and he's baptizing people. John the Baptist is baptizing people. Jesus comes. The only person ever to live on the planet who didn't need to be baptized for what John the Baptist was baptizing. Right? He didn't need to do this. So some people say, well, he was just demonstrating to us. There's lots of people demonstrating to us. He didn't need to demonstrate that. What he was doing was something more significant. He was coming into the element of water. He was submitting himself to the declaration of what was going to take place was that the heart of the father was being impacted to the son and the son to the father. as a declaration of what was to come. He was breaking that division. He was breaking that stuff by coming and into the waters. He goes under the water, comes up out of it. He joins the waters below and above. Heavens are rent. Heavens are torn open according to what Isaiah says in 64, rend the heavens and come down. So the heavens are rent, torn open. Right? Bill Johnson says those people that walk around saying, oh, this is, there's, a, there's a, a closed heaven here. He says the only closed heavens are between your left ear and your right ear. Now, it, it doesn't mean to say there's difficult. I can tell you about different atmospheres and all those sorts of things. No problems at all. There's no closed heaven. Because the heavens have been rent open, torn open. And the Holy Spirit came the wind, ruach. We also know that there was fire because at Pentecost, tongues of fire when the Holy Spirit came upon people. Fire comes onto Jesus. And then there's a declaration. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So what, he wasn't the son before? Of course he was. But a declaration needed to go forth that the answer was the son. The heavens needed to hear it. Right? The principalities needed to hear it. A son. Now you can often tell what is very significant by how the enemy attacks it. So after all of this, Jesus was led into the wilderness, 40 days. He was in the wilderness, fasting. I don't know why they call it fasting, because it goes so slow. It really should be called slowing. Anyway, so he's fasting, slowing, whatever it is. <laughs> and the enemy comes to him. What's the first thing? What's the first thing he attacks? What's the first thing he goes on? 
if you are the son. So one, he questions the word of God. The second thing is he attacks the very thing that is essential, the very thing that Adam, he, 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 he worked at, right? And he, so he attacks it. He questions it. And, and Jesus, of course, doesn't engage in it. He takes authority over it in, in not saying anything. He breaks it. You see, back with Adam, the enemy is the master victim. He creates all of this problem. Then he looks for somebody else to blame. He finds somebody. He has them partner with his stuff, and they disobey. Right? Now, it's Adam's fault. And then, of course, Adam partakes of that and says, it's that woman you gave me. That's her problem. Do you see it? You see, Adam was not the problem. There was a greater problem. And if you only focus upon Adam's the problem, then you miss the big picture. You miss what is the real problem. God, in his wisdom, decided that he would develop a heaven, an earthly solution to a heavenly problem. Therefore, Jesus brought us into a place where we are now positioned to bring an heavenly solution to earthly problems. Do you see that? If you can get this, if you can understand this, it will revolutionize you. It will change you. Because I am showing you from a governance point of view, from an apostolic bigger picture point of view, that there was created a problem, that God's solution was a son, which was an earthly solution to a heavenly problem. Jesus comes and creates a way in which we now have the ability to provide and bring heavenly solutions to earthly issues. Therefore, we are to heavenize earth. That's the strategy of God, how to deal with something that Lucifer entered into. And therefore, we have authority in those areas. And if you take... Um, uh, the, this pivotal scripture, I think, of Romans 8:19, and then you begin to realize that creation is absolutely fed up with being defiled by everybody else who wants to get their power out of creation. We don't get power from the elements. It's dunamis. Junimus is, 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 is available in a number of places, but we have the most pure Junimus, which comes because the Holy Spirit has brought us. You shall receive Junimus power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Now, you don't get power from that. We have Junimus from the Holy Spirit, and we have authority. Right? The enemy has power, 
no authority. He gets authority because he convinces people to trade it, to give away their authority. So sons realize they're the answer. Sons, true sons, don't get offended. Nor do they become jealous. It doesn't stop offense coming your way. It's just what you do with it. You're going to get offended. Jesus said it. But how do you respond to it? Will you take the bait? Or will you resist it? I said to you last night that being convinced is a hugely important thing. Are you convinced that you are a son or a daughter? If so, how will you walk? Because God is wanting in this era to teach us more about what it is to be a son. How we walk in sonship. What does that look like? You can declare things until you're blue in the face if you don't actually live it out. If you don't make choices that represent as a son. Now, some of us need to be healed of some things because we keep going back to that. We keep that, that wound gets touched and so therefore we respond in that particular way. Right? We, we are trying to get God to love us because all of our life we've tried to be loved. Okay? All right. I said this the other night, I think. I have no idea what I said, when I said it. Anyway. But, but listen. God loves you today the absolute maximum. He can't love you any more or any less. He told us that you love your neighbors like you love yourself. Don't believe the lie that you shouldn't be a lover of yourself. Right? Because if it's true love of yourself, then you're going to be a giver, not a taker, which is lust. Right? So loving yourself is important. Now, if you believe that, you will declare 1 Corinthians 13 over yourself. You'll devour it. You'll, you'll start talking about yourself. Okay. Um, uh, and just re- read it over yourself as it's for you. You'll receive it. You'll receive it from God. Okay, love doesn't keep any record of wrongs. Ooh, ooh, I better start getting rid of that record that I've got there of wrongs. I'm going to burn that. I don't want that anymore because love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And so it goes on and on, talk about what love is. And so you begin to possess it because you know that if you start treating yourself like that, then you are going to automatically be treating people in a whole lot of different ways. You're going to see things from a different perspective. That's how a son behaves. So if you find yourself getting offended, you're going to be able to say, whoa, wait a minute. God's obviously in this. So you, you transition things. Let me just say this real quickly as we come to a conclusion. Uh, when, in our first church, um, we, we lived about 10 minutes from the church. And so we would get our kids in and off we will go. Um, uh, and... Um, you know, it's how it is on a Sunday morning, but anyway, we're racing off, and um, 
time after time, my wife and I would start fighting. You know, she was always wrong, but um, <laughs> this is not taped, is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, anyway, it was the, and the kids would play up. I was just joking, by the way. That, um, it was just as much my fault. And, and so the kids would play up, and, and we would just have to deal with this. And we get to church, and we're frazzled, and just, you know, we're a mess, and we're trying to get ourselves in the right spirit and all that sort of stuff. And then we started to realize, wait a minute, what's this? This is happening week after week. And, and, and we were doing fine beforehand. So when we started to say, wait a minute, that's going to be a good meeting today. God's up to, up to something. It started to disempower that because we were recognizing what was going on. Right? And so, and so we would just, we'd start, and then we'd start laughing. And if you know anything about letting the joy out, you realize somebody should write a book about that. Oh, they have. <laughs> um, so that joy actually transforms the atmosphere. It transforms things because it's like spiritual warfare. Oh, let's laugh at that. <laughs> it's like, Russ, <laughs> enemy's up to some stuff. And what happened before very long, that all disappeared. It, was never, it wasn't an issue. And then it would raise itself up and we'd say, oh, it's going to be a great meeting. God's going to do some stuff today. Something's going to happen. So I feel that all of the time and I just laugh at it. It's like coming on this trip. I'm excited. I can see stuff, whatever else I'm saying to my wife. Uh, and she says, I know, you don't want to go. I actually don't even have to open my mouth about it now. It's just like, uh, yeah, all right. And she said, well, you know what's going on. She knows me so well. It's like I get myself into a place of, well, I don't know what I'm going to say. Honey, she said, Mark, whenever you stood, when have you ever stood up and had nothing to say? <laughs> it's never going to happen. So I want to finish today with reminding you that Adam, therefore you, are not the problem. You're the answer. It may say simple to you, but I'm telling you it's profound. It's a shift. I want to tell you that when Jesus was baptized, God saw you. In Christ. And he was speaking to you through Christ. Even though it was before you were born. For most of you. No, <laughs> before. <laughs> Sorry, it's before you were born. Oh dear. <laughs> um, and he was saying, This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Most of us only hear that when we do something good. But he wasn't saying it as a result that you've done something good. He was saying that full stop. This is my son. This is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. I want to pray a prayer over you today. And I I want you to um, engage with me, if you would. And I want you to, um, uh, if you if you agree with me, at times I'm going to say to you, do you agree? And I would like you to say, I agree. And if you don't agree with it, well, don't say anything. It's fine. But I would be hoping that we would all agree 
with what I'm going to pray. But I, I would like you to be somewhat forceful in what you say. I agree. Like, I want you to be definite. I don't want to be, yeah, I agree if you say so. I, I want you to be like, I agree. Like, like a make a stand type sort of thing. Is that okay? Yeah? So, I like it when you practice things. So, so what I'm going to be praying so that I'm not, you don't feel like I'm capturing you. Or, well, I'm going to be praying things like, for instance, really taking authority, counseling out the orphan mindsets and things that people may have said beforehand and all those sorts of things, right? And I, and I, want, to, I want to declare what um, Romans says about you, that you are uh, a, a child of God, a son and a daughter, under full acceptance, right? Yes? You agree? Like, would you stand, please? There's something about standing, you know? If you can, if you can't, then that's okay. Right. Father, today we come before you and we present ourselves uh, recognizing that we are your children. And so right now we cancel every agreement, every covenant, every form of thinking, experience, and declaration with the orphan spirit. Do you agree? I agree. We cancel all agreements, covenants, and assignments made by others on our behalf with the orphan spirit. Do you agree? I agree. We cancel every past agreement by... Our ancestors, do you agree? agree. Every inherited agreement with the orphan spirit we counsel today, do you agree? agree. Every generational agreement with the orphan spirit we counsel today, do you agree? agree? Every form of influence by the orphan spirit that we have partnered with Without even understanding, we cancel, we terminate, we say no more. Do you agree? And so therefore, we receive thinking and reality of sonship. Do you agree? We receive the spirit of full acceptance. Do you agree? Now, we walk in a new reality, understanding that is free from encumbrance of orphan thinking, independentness, self-reliance, and we stand today as sons and daughters of the Most High God, beloved children who have understood 
that the Father has already said, this is my son, this is my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. Do you agree? And so therefore, we leave this place today with a new uh, understanding of identity, a new experience of identity, a new ability to see in the Scriptures, in the Word, in the prophetic words, in the, under, in the place of position as sons. We walk a different way. We walk out in a new found way. We see things differently than before. Not because they were totally wrong, but because it's new and a new day, a new era, a new time in the name of Jesus. Do you agree? agree. We understand today that I am not a problem, but I am a part of the answer. I am the answer to the issues of this world, a heavenly, uh, heavenly conflict, I am on this earth as an answer to that. Do you agree? I agree. I as a son, you as a son, we as sons and daughters of God have the authority to bring heaven to earth. Do you agree? So therefore, Father, we thank you that you have adopted us as your children, that you have established us as your children. And so this day, we say, thank you. We say on this day that we are blessed to be called your children in the name of Jesus. Do you agree? I agree. Amen. Come on, amen, 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 amen. I think it's really important to know you are the solution, not the problem, especially once you've received some love from the Father. And if there's one last thing that I felt like we should do in in receiving this word about sonship is just to take a moment between you and the Lord and say yes to experiencing his love. We, we have this amazing ability to receive revelation, but we need the touch. And, um, and so just close your eyes where you're at. Open your heart. Heavenly Father, I ask that you touch our hearts right now with your perfect love. It's your perfect love that casts out all fear. It's your perfect love that brings us home to your presence. It's your perfect love that when the prodigal runs in, you celebrate. It's your perfect love that loves us while we're prodigals. It's your perfect love that established us as your sons and daughters. It's your perfect love that saw all of our sins and said, you know, love covers a multitude of sins.
It's your love that has poured out grace. It is your love that sent Jesus to the cross. It is your love that raised him from the dead. And it's your love for us that we need to fully, fully encounter. So Holy Spirit, will you come and reveal your love for each of us right now in Jesus' name? Let let the agreements and the freedom that we've received be grounded in how much you love us. Let us no longer think that you only love us when we're doing it right. Forgive us, God. Forgive us. Let us receive fully your love. Put your hand on your heart and just tell the Lord, thank you for loving me. Say it again. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.